Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of Talking Jays. With me, I have Pat from Super Pat World. You can find him on Facebook in the video game section. Also, he's a um, someone that I have a lot of respect and fondness for. <laughs> he is incredibly positive. He's Pat. Welcome to uh, Talking Jays. How are you doing today? Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this since you messaged me. I uh, I I love to be have the chance to have a, uh, like a, a good conversation. Uh, sometimes I talk a little too much. So that's part of why streaming and me work so well, because it's hard to get me to, to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and with us, I have my brother, Kevin, uh, also known as Jevin, that somehow traveled to LA and came back within the week. What happened was my brother wasn't able to record with us and my part, podcast partner, Jeanette, lives in LA. So I blurted out, um, Kevin, he's um, he's not with us. He's in somewhere, I think L.A. somewhere. And all of a sudden, my brother ended up on a journey to, to L.A. that he didn't even have a clue about. So, <laughs> so when I asked him, I said, oh, you see, this is how I know you don't listen to our recordings. You find out that you took a trip to L.A. came back. The proof. Aha, gotcha. So, Pat. I know that you are um, stream a lot of Mario games. Is Mario one of your favorite characters in video games? Without a doubt. Mario, since I met Mario, it's been a match made in heaven. Me and Mario have been getting along for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the, uh, it's the mix of the music, the aesthetic, the platforming. I think, I, I think there's a reason that Mario, you know, came out so, so long ago, but even today, the kids of today, Still a down with Mario. So, I mean, that's got to tell you something that even something that was crafted and constructed so long ago, still resonating with people like this next generation is the ultimate evidence that it, it's got that timeless quality where it's this perfect combination of elements that sort of comes together to bring this sort of fun uh, sort of experience that that transcends time. How did you get started with streaming? I never I don't think you um, you've, I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah, well, that's really interesting because I I was so into watching Mario YouTube videos for over, for probably two, two and a half years before I ever streamed myself. So like Ryu Kar is one of my ultimate favorites and he'll typically put out uh, a 20 to 30 minute Mario Maker video uh, once or twice a week. So I would always keep up with that uh, and I would watch it as a fan of be like, man, I could never do some of that stuff. That was part of the appeal is just being like getting to watch a master at work. And uh, and so then fast forward to this past summer, obviously COVID-19 hits and now we're all stuck inside. And then one of my close friends started a gaming channel on Facebook. And I, st I, I, I thought he had the perfect personality for it. So I started tuning into him and um, supporting him and messaging him about it. And so in the process, started learning about it myself. And then I found out that Mixer, which was the big competition to Twitch, the other stream platform, when they went down and Facebook gaming essentially absorbed them, that's when I recognized, wait a minute, th this might represent an interesting opportunity on the timeline where Facebook over the next couple of years may be on the rise to try to compete with Twitch now that they're sort of committed to, uh, to carrying the torch that, that Mixer started. And... Uh, and then I, I checked out, let's see what let's see what's on Facebook gaming for Mario, because I knew that on Facebook gaming, the biggest thing that they have is like mobile games that that's like the the hundred thousand plus viewership is all mobile games like PUBG. But 
the Mario community was relatively small, especially compared to Twitch. That when you go to Twitch, it's a massive, it's this crazy amount of streamers. Whereas on Facebook gaming, it seemed like it, it, it hadn't totally gotten started yet. So I said, you know what? I think uh, there's an interesting opportunity here for me to at least give it a shot. I got nothing to lose. Uh, as a teacher, I get to take the summers off. I've always sort of put my foot down to, to, to make sure I get the summers off to keep that balance so I don't hit that burnout. Uh, and so I try to have like either a project or something that I've kind of experimenting with to trying out every summer. And so every, I knew everyone stuck inside anyway, COVID-19, probably more people than ever would be willing to check out someone playing video games or even just play video games while they were watching someone play video games. And I said, well, all I already have the computer because I'm a musician, so I do a little home recording. So I had the gear, I had the microphone, I, I, I had all I needed was the uh, capture card. And all a capture card is, is what you plug your, your Nintendo into the capture card and the capture card into the, the computer. It basically translates the Nintendo into computer language so then you can stream it out to the world. So I said, well, that's what, $120 investment? Might as well give it a shot. I'm down to, I'm down to at least give it a shot. And so right away, it ended up being a, 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 got a great response. At first, it was just, you know, people that I, I knew in real life, but it didn't take long before I was meeting more and more people. And then uh, there was this interesting dynamic being created where it's sort of like um, this virtual friendship thing where somewhat you, you start to learn the people's names and then they'll, they'll tell you a little bit what's going on in their life. Uh, even if it's not a big deal, it might just be, oh, I got a new job or but it, you just naturally end up forming this bond with people, even though it's just in the context of playing video games, the bond you create is pretty real. That it's like, you know, I'll find myself off stream and be like, oh, I wonder how, how my friend Josh is doing with his test. Or that, like actually thinking about these people like, like real relationships. And ultimately it is, especially when in the context of us all being stuck inside right now, it's that much more sort of uh, that reality of like, I have a weekly Zoom chat with my close friends. And so that that's the way that my real life friends would keep in touch right now. So I'm having the same sort of dynamic relationship with my real life friends as I am with the stream friends. So it, it just it lent itself to. Um, to open my eyes to this thing that more than ever, I think people are are open to this idea of, hey, not only do I get to tune into this entertainment, I get to actually interact with it. It's that next level, like if you compare it to sports. You're just tuning in. Usually the interaction is limited to the people you watch sports with. Like you kind of bond with your sports yeah. fan friends, but you're not bonding with with uh, LeBron James when you watch the game. You know, so it's that it's that interesting little interactive dynamic. I think there's something very therapeutic about watching, for example, watching you play Mario, because not only are you boosting people's morale and keeping positive with them and they're interacting with you and talking with you, but seeing you beat a level. It, 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 you know, all the raining GGs that you see are good games for people that aren't familiar with the lingo. You see all these raining GGs in the stream and it's just like people are just cheering you on to say, I want to see you beat the next level. Let's give you a harder level. Let's, and it's just, it, it's just the, the community that's built around the, these things are just incredible. You were mentioning people talking about what's going on with their lives. It's almost like this is a way uh, very therapeutic because they get to talk about, hey, I need um, some sort of positivity because I'm really super nervous about this. And you rain upon this 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 positivity around them. Um, how where does that stem from? Well, I had uh, I've been uh, let's see the I want to give a 
a good answer, but a short answer. So the, I, 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 if I was to attribute my positivity to two main things, it would be one, being a Christian and, and believing that I have a purpose in life to love people and accept people as being literally part of why I'm on earth as, as just as a human. That already lends itself to sort of angling yourself towards bringing that positivity versus being being sort of dragged down by all the negative things that definitely exist and definitely are real. The struggles are definitely real, but it's one of those things where you get to choose how you look at it. And if you feel like part of your purpose in life is to love people, that's going to automatically position you towards bringing the love. And in addition to that, my experience with um, special education has sort of taught me just how, like before I was ever in special education, I was never one to really give much credit to something like vibes, like like someone bringing a, a certain vibe. I wouldn't have thought that was that was even real. But in my interactions with my students, just seeing if I come in with a certain energy, it's an entirely different interaction, a totally different response that, that you get just depending on what what you're bringing, regardless of what you're actually saying. Just that reality that if you if you come in with the with the positive vibes, it, it has a real effect on the way in which people interact with you. And so that the more success I had with that in my job as a teacher, the more it just sort of naturally built upon itself to um, to just be something that I was consciously aware of wanting to do. And it's one of those things where if you if you fake it. It, it doesn't necessarily work yeah. like I, I think humans especially are really sensitive to to faking things that that uh, like what the things that usually are the the biggest turnoffs to people is when it's someone's it comes off like they're trying too hard or if they are faking it in some way that people have a, a strong sensitivity to is this guy just putting it on or is it is it legitimate? So it's that fine line where you, you want to bring the positivity, but you can't cross that line of just faking it because I think the audience can see through it. Yeah, I really, like I said, it, it, your positivity has been very much a booster for many people, including myself. Um, during COVID, I didn't, uh, I didn't tell you this, during COVID, I had lost my uh, manager. Um, um, he's a doctor. I, so I work in the medical field. My brother okay. works in the medical field. He worked in environmental services. So when COVID started happening, he was in the front lines. Um, you could, he was in the front lines, pretty much cleaning beds and taking care of, uh, of you know, cleaning rooms and whatnot. Rooms, yeah. So he would, so he had interactions with people with COVID. Okay. I work in a lab as a medical secretary, and so my interactions were, oh my God, cancer patients, their treatments are being halted because of um, COVID being, wow. you know, prominent, and one of my the chief of the actual laboratory came down with COVID around I would say November December ish and we were hoping that he said oh, I'll be back in two weeks and right. unfortunately never did oh my and goodness. so that was a very hard I took that as a very hard loss yeah. um amongst my amongst my co-workers so I was scrambling around looking for some sort of positive energy now i'm not really knowing where to find it i have my brother to talk to and i would talk with him about it and he would tell me about his experiences um harrowing experiences as oh, well man. over there and oh. and you could see the exhaustion on his face coming home and so the thing that i discovered was your your street <laughs> and you bring this energy to you that i 
absolutely am fond of because it's just like you all these people are telling you, hey, you know, I got a test coming up soon or a family member of mine is sick. You just put out this positive vibes, not knowing who they are, but you that you it's purely genuine. You are right. You can feel when someone's being fake with their energy, but with with watching your stream, anyone can see it's it's all heart. It's all heart there. And recently wow. we lost our um, we lost our dog. We had to put our dog down. Oh my and God. one of the things that I do is when I go see you um, in your in your chat with everyone, it just it's it's worked as a therapy for me. It's worked as you know what? There, there's great people out there doing good things for other people. And I really thank you for who you are and the positive, the positive vibes that you put out there. Um, it it's just it's it's incredible seeing this vast community of people coming and flocking towards you and um seeing and, and getting this energy it's like you know what it's this is this is something that i enjoy and i really feel people especially people that need a um a morale boost in many ways can enjoy watching you stream and even if they basically just um I I what's the word hover and not really interact, you can sort of it, it emanates. It emanates from watching people like you, even Speed Demon, who I know is a friend of yours, yes. and even Josh, who you also put me on to. Yeah, Joshua. I, Josh. It's like this community of gamers talking to other gamers. It's it's talk to can you talk a little bit about the community that you're a part of? It's almost like you guys, it's a it's a network of people that just Hey, I like I like this guy. He brings positive vibes. Let me hook you up to him and so forth. Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, I got to say a huge thank you to the both of you guys in the medical community and anybody out there in the medical community, at literal heroes amidst all this stuff. Because you, without the medical people, where we would have been in ten times more trouble. You know what I mean? We were able to mitigate what we were able to because of the brave people willing to go in, do what they had to do, do that job of all the, all the different things that, that are involved uh, in the medical community. So a big thank you to you guys. And I'm so sorry for the loss of the dog, the loss of the manager. It, the, the loss in the past year for, for many people is, is very real. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's no doubt that at least somebody, like one in 10 people is going to know somebody strongly affected from COVID, whether they ended up with a, a long hauler, with the, the long systems, the, the long-term uh, symptoms or someone who actually died from it. So it just just that reality of how many people feel in that burden of, of man, we got, we took a hit here that we weren't expecting. Yeah, uh, that that's real. So a uh, big thank you to you guys as, as medical people. And uh, and so, yeah, the community. But this is part of what's interesting with Facebook gaming that I touched on that reality that as far as the the Mario streamers that exist in the in the English speaking community on Facebook gaming, it's a relatively small crowd. Now, in the in Latin America, there's a there's a much larger um, Mario community that with streamers with way more reach, and uh, they're, they're sort of way further down the timeline. Whereas when you compare it to the English speaking Mario Maker streamers that exist on Facebook Gaming, it's a it's a relatively small group. So that lends itself to the fact that if you're streaming Mario Maker, you're likely to know almost all the other streamers that are streaming Mario Maker by name, at least now. As time goes on, they're, they're, they're multiplying, which is only natural. But at least for now, there's this, this very strong community thing that, that's been created over the past year, even long before, like the whole year before I even got involved 
where there was a sort of core group of uh, Mario streamers where everybody knew each other. Everyone kind of shared viewers and was sort of bringing their own little flavor <laughs> to the streaming game. And, and so that has been, uh, I've really enjoyed that, getting to make those connections. Like you mentioned, Speed Demon 8706. Uh, and so he's over in Hawaii. So his time difference, he ends up streaming often, like it's late, late night for me. And then it's Josh, oh my gosh, that was the other one you named. Uh, he's He also tends to stream later. And so getting to tune into them and sort of check them out and learn about them and just interact with them and, and basically become friends with the streamers as well as the viewers. It's just... Uh, it is. It's the, like you're calling it. It's basically this community that uh, you you wouldn't you wouldn't anticipate it existing the way it does until you're in it. It's like it. It's hard to really give it a good explanation outside of it beyond just jumping in and seeing what it's like. And then even if you're not into it, you might be like, okay, well now I at least get it. It's not for me, but I get it. But it's hard to explain outside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you mentioned you being a Christian and I know you went to Honduras. What was your experience with that? With, was it a trip missionary? Uh, was, was it as a missionary that you went there? And what, what did you learn from your trip going over, over to Honduras? Yeah. Okay. So and now on stream, because I keep it super um, like accepting of everyone I want, I want someone, uh, a father and son to be able to tune in who's an atheist to a Muslim, to a Christian, whatever they are. So I, on stream, typically keep any kind of religion or politics out of it. But I'm more than comfortable to talk about it in this context where it's me and you having a conversation. So uh, with like Honduras, that was my very first time leaving the country. But outside of that, I had only been, you know, a couple states over. And I, you know, the closest thing to an awareness I had of any any sort of third world country or any contrast to the American way, I had just seen, you know, those commercials with the um, with like the World Vision commercials where seeing it on the TV, seeing that through that screen, there's a certain amount of um, lack of reality that exists when you just see it from afar. Whereas when I was actually there, when I actually, and so it, yeah, it was with my church. We went to um, help build. It's like a two part thing. It's over the course of two weeks. And the mission was to help build a, uh, a floor for a, a school that was going in there and then interact with some of the kids and put on like a little, they call it VBS, a vacation Bible school where the kids can come and get like little crafts and stuff. And, uh, and the thing that blew me away was interacting with these um, these amazing people who their attitude and their sort of disposition was so positive in spite of being in such devastating conditions that 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 left a huge, huge mark on me, whereas it can, it could be easy here in America to 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 not be totally aware of just how good we have it, like even that lower class, middle, lower class, it could feel like, oh man, it's the rich, it's those celebrities. Those are the rich people and not really recognize. We got running water. We got houses with a couple rooms in them. Even a, you got an apartment with a couple rooms in it, whatever. We, what our situation is here is a lot better than a lot of other places in the world. And, and yeah, when, I agree. Yeah. And so it's easy to sort of lose, lose sight of the fact that in a lot of the rest of the world, it's nothing like this. It, it, it's nothing, not even close to like this. And so you can get it in your head that, oh, well, if it's below this certain line, then people must be miserable all the time. And so getting to interact with these people who are cheering me up, getting me hyped up, 
it, it was definitely a life-changing reality of just how much your mindset and the way in which you approach life has to do with how much you enjoy it or what, what sort of your, um, what your goals are, what, how you view life has much more to do with your level of joy and happiness than how much you have or how much money you have. It, it's, so it's, it's that, that, that first trip really stuck out. Like, and, and I kind of was hooked at that point. And I ended up going to Guatemala five times after that trip with different um, groups with the church and with a, uh, a Christian college it do, as doing kind of different roles, but always the same idea. And it, the most rewarding part every time was bi building the relationships with the people and then just getting to interact with my broken Spanish, trying to try to <laughs> form, <laughs> try to form those like that, that reality of you're, you're face to face with somebody and you both want to communicate and you're using a lot of hand symbols. You're, you're trying to find ways to communicate. And there's something so endearing about it that you don't need to be able to understand each other perfectly. Just that that vibe of I, I want to understand you. You want to understand me. That ends up bringing so much to a, a strong bond really quickly. And so that th those those experiences really shaped my worldview and just just how grateful I am for everything I have here. So my fiance, uh, she doesn't speak Spanish. She's from uh, from Portland. Okay. And I tell her when we go to the Dominican Republic, the three things that you need to know is baño, agua, yeah, in hambre. As <laughs> long as you're aware that you that if you want water, you know you can get by with water. You yes. need to know where the bathroom is, yep. and just let people know when you're hungry. You're hungry. They'll point you to the food. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good three. That's a good starting three. <laughs> she goes, what? What do I? I'm like, trust me, as long as you know that, you can pretty much get by. We've been <laughs> to the Dominican Republic before, and okay. there's there's the term the, that my dad. That's what you're trying to say. What? You and I? Or... Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you forgot to say. You forgot to say. You know, my brother and I have been to the Dominican Republic before. There it is. And there's a term that my dad always says, siempre alegre. And it's always, people have joys even in even though they have little. And it's yeah. just, you know, so when you talk about going to Honduras, I'm like, you know what? I really want to know what it, it, this probably is a good source for where his positivity comes in because yeah. he's, not only is he doing it good, but the, with the community around him is sort of embracing you, even though you're, you, you're where you grew up is totally different from where they grew up or whatnot. And it's, you know, it's very beautiful that way. Have you ever traveled to any other countries other than Honduras? No, it was just Honduras and Guatemala are the only two places yeah. I've been. And, um, and, but yeah, that, that little, that dynamic of, of being able to interact with these people had totally different upbringings, totally different lifestyle. And yet experiencing that thing where we were both connecting, that definitely plays a part in when I'm, when I'm looking at the chat as a streamer, in recognizing that each of these people typing in, that's a real person with their own story, their own struggles. And even though we might have totally different lives, total different things going on, that that human connection, that thing that that we all crave in in a in a very subtle way that well, I don't it's easy to just feel like, OK, I got to I got to be a survivor. I got to I got to look out for myself. All those things have their place. But ultimately, we all as humans have a desire to, to connect with other humans on some yes. level. Yes. And so it, it streaming kind of provides this opportunity where you can hop on the computer, 
check out a video game that you like and might want to be playing at the same time. And you can actually connect with this other person. And, and so I really am grateful for that, especially as someone who's been taking it pretty seriously with, I haven't been leaving the house. Uh, and so I, it makes me that much more grateful to have the opportunity to be connected with all, all these different people through just through the computer. So I want to follow up with that with another question then. Have you been, have you ever encountered any of your students that go, oh my God, you're the guy from the, the, the Facebook screen. <laughs> no, no, that I have, uh, I have sort of been careful to, I haven't really promoted it. I haven't promoted my streaming stuff in my personal life and like work, work relationships because as of now, I don't know. I don't know how aware you are of this dynamic, but there's some people totally cool with streaming, especially like Twitch represents this larger community that everybody sort of gets it. What streaming is, whereas there's a there's another large group of people who don't get it. And what I mean by don't get it is they look at it as who in the world wants to watch someone play a video game when you could just play it yourself? And I totally understand that standpoint. And again, that's one of those things where it's, it's difficult to understand until, especially the three, I think a lot of people that watch streaming are also playing video games themselves while they're, they, they might be watching someone playing the video game and they're playing the video game, or it represents this thing. They're on the computer, they're on the phone, they're doing multiple things. It's not like they're glued to the screen doing nothing else. Although there are some people like that too, that are just totally into it, especially into the interacting. But there's this wide range. And I think the best comparison is to like watching sports where you, you watch the same way that you watch a sport and you're like, wow, they, they, like you watch people who are amazing at a sport and you get to bond with other people. Like a lot of times, you know, you got a big game, you got to invite a couple people over or you want to actually go to a game and you're there with the whole crowd. That whole vibe exists with the streaming community as well, where it's like you're with these other people who also enjoy video games and you're a, you're likely to be able to appreciate the gaming that you're seeing as a gamer yourself. The same way a lot of sports fans played sports back in the day, even if it was just catch with their buddies, they have some sense of, wow, a touchdown pass like that is crazy to be able to do. And they appreciate it that much more. The same way someone who's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they just beat that Mario level. They probably played a couple Mario levels themselves to be like, Psh, that would have taken me 10,000 tries to do it. So there's that, <laughs> there's that sort of dynamic that uh, it could be, it, it makes, so I'm a little self-conscious about just putting it totally out there to the whole world of everyone I know in my personal life, uh, because I, I'm pretty sure there's a, a, a big portion of them that would not understand and, and totally take it as like, uh, just not understand it and potentially think, Think negatively it, of it. It can be a little bit polarizing because it's a, there's certain stigmas that people have towards video games, and it's and especially there's certain elements in the community. Let's not deny it that are toxic. No doubt. That, but there's also elements of the community that are very positive, and especially in your community. If you keep it G rated, so anyone can come in and watch and not feel offended in any way. You 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 interact with the people in, in a very positive manner. But um, you mentioned something just now uh, about taking, uh, about beating, you know, taking a thousand tries to beat certain levels and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. That actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> Before I break into that and then bring Kevin more into the discussion. Okay. I, I really want to know, I know you're a married man. Yep. When you're sleeping, 
Does he, do you start talking about video games in your sleep and your wife goes, Pat, Pat, you're doing it again. <laughs> well, I can honestly say that uh, I, I've, I can't remember ever having like a specific Mario dream outside of those long, the couple times when I've done like an eight hour stream and then uh, I did a 12 hour stream. That's the time when like the next night or two, there's hints of, of like that level it's kind of like, you know, you get a song stuck in your head. Uh-huh. It's sort of like that. Except, so it's not so much in my dreams as much as I'll find myself like playing a certain part of a level in my head because it's got so ingrained over that course. But it never really is manifested in the dreams as much as that same feeling of getting a song stuck in your head. Sometimes I'll have like a level stuck in my head, but in a very subtle sense, not something like, oh, I can't stop thinking about it. Just sort of similar to if you have a song stuck in your head. The reason why I ask is because there was a level that you played that I remember you taking seven days. Was it seven days, Pat, or or five days? It took you a significant amount of time to beat. And you just kept on saying, okay, people, I need your positivity being able to beat this. (laughs) And you kept on going after it and going after it. Now, the one thing that made me laugh is, you know, the theory that Albert Einstein says, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But with gaming, sometimes you actually have to do it over and over because just the slightest second you're off, you have to repeat it all over again. Yes. Just to like you like you almost had it, but the slide is like you, but because the the the, the button moved and left right at the impres- most imprecise moment. It's like oh, I gotta re- repeat myself all over again, <laughs> and it's almost like cyclical. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, I wonder if Pat is literally playing this level in his head and he goes to sleep and he starts twitching <laughs> he wakes up in night sweats <laughs> <laughs> exactly he's like it's like oh my god i, I, I can't I'm gonna, I'm gonna start playing it <laughs> yeah well it's you know to me now <laughs> that it that that's an interesting uh point especially with some of like the technical levels where you're like the kaiser levels where you have to do certain moves where you've got to re- two inputs like you're pressing buttons on the controller in a very specific order in a specific timing that that reality of if you do it the same way over and over you will fail and and you naturally end up like especially that that reality of muscle memory if you if you allow yourself to you will keep making the same exact mistakes over and over so part of the skill set involved in breaking be breaking past that is being able to have an awareness of okay i keep letting this thing go too late I've got to now try to consciously let go of that button a little earlier. Or like if there's a part I keep dying at in a level, it's like, okay, I can't just keep jumping up from left to right. I'm going to have to try it right to left this time. But if, if you don't consciously make that choice, I think you do just have the tendency to want to do it the exact same way over and over and just hope something changes. You know what's interesting? Like I can actually relate to you in certain ways in that. Because in, in life, you're going to make mistakes. And sometimes it'll take you a thousand tries to get one thing right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And that's so interesting that you play that game and you know you're going to, you can't, like, you're setting yourself up for failure the first time. But once you get past that level, it's like, oh, is that bad? Got it. Like, I got it. <laughs> like, I remember playing Final Fantasy Tactics and, oh, my Ooh. God, that game was really tough. <laughs> they had some battles, man, that I had to rage quit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's a real man. deal. Yeah, you played play that game before? Ne- never tactics. I played Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. And yeah. uh, 
Tactics was one of the hardest games. And that's the only Final Fantasy game that I actually beat. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Yeah, it was just so addicting. And it was just so hard that it was just so good. Yeah. (laughs) But it's kind of interesting how you see yourself playing and you're like, like, man, I failed a thousand times. But you know what? That thousand and one? That's the one. There it is. Yeah. It's really interesting. And that's how people have to see life too. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're going to have your failures and stuff. But once you get past that threshold, it feels good. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me wonder. Like, you're, it's almost like you have to enter it in like a tactician, almost like you're playing a game of chess in many ways. Because you got to strategize. One of the things that you do learn that people, may not realize is that even if it is video games, I mean, it doesn't really affect people in real life. There's a certain, it it develops tactical um, strategies and the way you sort of outline a map and things of that nature. Yeah. And well, what's interesting is in, in a lot of competitive games, you know, Fortnite, Warzone, or even Mario 35, another one of the games I play, you're, you're battling against other people. And so it's, it's can, you get, can you play better in this game than the other guy? But part of what makes it Mario levels, especially the tough ones, so interesting is just like you just described, it ends up being much more of a self versus self battle. You, you've got to become aware of yourself in your own tendencies in order to beat it because you, you can just, if, if you let yourself get stuck in that mindset of, oh man, like it, it's easy to think the more you fail, that to think I can't do this or that mm-hmm. like I have to constantly, especially you can imagine I'm an hour deep on a level and I've got people saying like, why can't you beat this thing? Or come on, like, come on, hurry up. Let's get on to the next level. This kind of thing that you can feel the pressure of, Oh man, what, what if I can't do this? That, mm-hmm. it, that, that one thought can be enough to totally cripple you. If, yeah, if you lean sure. into it, if mm-hmm. you lean into it, it's game over already. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy thing of if you let yourself go down that negative path, it becomes more and more difficult to legitimately accomplish it. Whereas if you're able to stay aware, self-aware and recognize, okay, this pressure, this thought, this only exists inside my mind. I'm battling myself right now. I've got to believe I can do it. I know that I've beat tough levels in the past. I know that this level can be beaten. All I got to do is keep pushing, keep grinding. I will get it. And the more that is the mindset, the more the strategies like you're talking about develop naturally. Cause you're looking at the map, you start to see it much more like, an equation where I got to do this, this, and this in order to make this happen instead of, oh no, I keep losing. I keep losing. Mm -hmm. I equate it to having this almost Zen-like mentality where you're almost a a soldier, you know, like a samurai in battlefield. You're like, okay, I got to move this place, this piece here, or even in chess where you just start going, okay, I got to strategize this and then I got to remember to do this and then I got to do it this way right here. And it's usually with the Kaizo level, which are, if you don't mind explaining what Kaizo is, it's almost with these Kaizo levels, you have to figure out, okay, this, this is where they're trying to send me. There's something that they're trying to tell me here and I'm sensing and I got to be able to maneuver my way to get to that point. And um, also with, um, it, it's just, Go ahead, Pat, if you don't mind explaining what Kaizo is. Yeah, yeah. So Kaizo is this very interesting, uh, like, offshoot of the traditional Mario style, whereas, you know, traditional Mario represents you hop on a Goomba, and then you get up on a platform, then you hit the question block, you grab the mushroom, then you go down the pipe. That's traditional Mario. It's pretty straight up, straightforward. Mm -hmm. Now, Kaizo Mario is built around mechanics that weren't necessarily intended 
in the way that you use them. So what the, and the, the classic example of that is what's called a shell jump. And so a shell jump means Mario holds a shell. He jumps up, releases the shell while he's midair. And then the shell bounces off of an object in front of him. And when it ricochets off that object, Mario bounces off of the shell itself and gets height that he never could have gotten otherwise. So that, that's an example of a Kaizo obstacle where you have to do a shell jump or there's a thing called a pow drop where you, you're holding a pow and you've got to jump, drop it, and then land on the pow while you're in midair and then get a jump off of that. So it's, it's, it's these different mechanics where you're able to, to pull it off with precise inputs on the controller that allow you to get places that you weren't meant to go. So it's a perfect mix with something like Mario Maker or ROM hacks because the creators create the level so that the only way you get to these next platforms and the next area of the level is by performing the Kaizo trick. It's incredible. I, 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 I watch it. I'm like, I don't think even I can do that because I've been, that's what he's trying I've been, to explain to you. You might have to try it. I've been, I'm times, saying, right? I've been so far out of the loop playing Mario games and I must make a confession. I've never been the first Mario because I can never figure out the last castle, the order in which you have to go through yes. to be able to reach uh, Bowser or Koopa. That's I can fair. never figure out which is the order where you go the top one or the, 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 the medium the medium level or the bottom <laughs> level because I know you have to go in a particular order and I've never beaten it. That's I got fair. there and I've never beaten it. <laughs> well, I think you owe it to yourself to go back and do it. Now that we got the internet, there's this website. If you type in Google NES Super Mario Brothers Maps, M-A-P-S, it comes up with a site that will – it gives you – image an image file of each level in the original mario brothers and it, it shows you which way you got to go and so that I, those that those maps uh i had to learn them all for playing mario 35 which is the mario battle royale that you, the only chance you have is if you know you, you have to know the path through each level in order to even have a chance so i know for a fact you could do it you can you got to go back yeah, and do it i've been mario 2 i've been mario Ooh. 3 but I've never been Mario. One. I, I, if you, no, they you have two versions of Mario too. Well, one oh, that the, came in, yeah, the one that came in the United but States. They say it was too hard, and we have a Mario. What a Mario All Stars! I couldn't yes. beat that one. That was the, only the one. You talk about the lost levels, right? Yeah, the lost levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't beaten that one. But I have, seen, I've beaten all, well, not all of them, but most of them until like Mario sixty four. That's when I stopped playing Mario games. That gem of Mario sixty four. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, Pat, do you have any siblings? Is that where you started learning to watch games because people play games? Because if are you the are you the oldest or you or where do you fall in the hierarchy of siblings? And do they play do they play video games like yourself? Okay, I'm the oldest, and I have one. So young you have a controller mostly. <laughs> that controller was mine. It had my name on it. And remember, I when had... were, remember when you were a kid, and um. My brother would do this sometimes. Okay. He'll take the, He'll give me like a dummy control that's not plugged no, in. Of <laughs> and you're like thinking like you're playing. I'm like, man, I ain't doing that, man. <laughs> oh, that's the classic move. That is the classic move. Here, hold move. this control. Play. Play. See <laughs> well, in my case, I have a younger sister. And that's, and that's it. And so she she was down with video games, but not not nearly as much as I was. And I had an interesting, ever since I was five, I went from the Atari 2600. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. There was Interactivision. It was this VCR 
yes. sort of thing with yes. it was Disney Arcade and it was like a very simple controls. There, there was one with a little plane or a rocket ship that you would have to shoot like little lasers at the screen. <laughs> there you go. Go, boom. <laughs> Super simple stuff. And then there was another one called Socrates. That was an educational kind of. Uh, and so what's funny is I only had one game for both of those systems. So I just played it until the thing ran out. It was just nonstop that one game. And then once the the NES came out in the and I had the Game Boy those and I could actually switch out the games. Uh, that's when I was like, oh, I really was getting hooked on video games. And uh, so with when it comes to like watching people play video games, I think my whole generation has this experience where when it came to hanging out at a friend's house, the default activity was you were going to pop on a video game, even if it wasn't multiplayer. There, some, sometimes like when Smash Brothers was around, there were years where all my friends, whenever we were hanging out, no matter whose house we were at, Smash Brothers was running with at least a couple of us playing. Even if other people doing other things, that was always going in the background. It, Mario Kart, all those all those games were it was just sort of on constant rotation. It's so it builds this sort of nostalgic thing where I'm very my brain's very much accustomed to hanging out with my friends, either watching or playing video games. And I think that lends itself even more to this now streaming world that exists now where the people, especially my age, are that are already used to. You hang out with your friends, you play yeah. video games, you watch them play video games. That feels natural. That It even has that little nostalgic touch of like, makes you feel like a kid again a little bit. You can enjoy it uh, in a way that your brain's already used to. I want to ask you a question, Pat. What has COVID taught you know, this situation with COVID, what has it taught you? Because you, you're bringing all these things to other people. I wonder what has this taught you, you know? Yeah, that, yeah, great question. The, 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 the biggest thing, if I had to pick one thing that COVID-19 has taught me, it's just how quickly things can change on like a global level overnight. That, that it, this is what, you know, I, I've, I've been through 9-11, those kind of events where it has that strong effect on the country and other countries kind of, they have that, that sympathy and they'll, they'll like grieve with you. But this is the first time I experienced something that the whole world is affected by in some way, shape or form to different degrees, different levels, different strategies implemented to try to deal with it. And so it literally went from that March, 2020, by the time it was April, 2020, the, it was like the whole world felt a little different. And I uh, March is really that that represents when the U.S. When was the United States shut down. Yeah, because Italy obviously was hit before. But so just that whole timeline that I'll say this by the end of 2020, though, the world as a whole was a different place than it was mm -hmm. before that. And so just that that fragile nature of of what normal is, it the it's taught me to appreciate what we have now in a way that. I might not have before just the, it's so easy to take little things for granted, like being able to hug your family members, just casually go out to the store, meet your friends at a place or that kind of thing. You didn't think twice about it. That was just not, you didn't even, that was nothing to be thankful for. That was just what you did. And so now sort of in hindsight, you recognize, wow. That, so you don't know what you got till it's gone. That classic thing of mm -hmm. uh, until it's taken away, it's really hard to appreciate it. And so uh, the more that you can embrace that reality that, okay, well, I don't want to make the same mistake now and then think, oh, just because there's these new struggles now, I don't have anything to appreciate. The reality is there's still plenty to appreciate, even with all the struggles. 
And I, I, I don't want to say that and have it sound like I'm putting I'm belittling the real struggles that exist. It's mm -hmm. I'm trying to shine a light on the reality that in addition to those very real struggles that are, are very valid, there is in addition to that things to be thankful for in positive realities of life that unless you consciously shine a light on and, and sort of look to recognize it's not going to happen automatically. It's much easier. We, we naturally gravitate towards those negative things, the struggles. And so it's trying to find that balance of recognizing, okay, this is really hard for me, but at least I, at least the internet exists and I can do a zoom call with my family. That's something to be very thankful for the, all, all that, all the small things that until, like I'm saying, until it's kind of taken away, it's hard to appreciate. So I think that's the big thing it taught me is just how fragile uh, uh, things can change on a global level in a way that you didn't think possible. So it just gives me that much more motivation to look for the things I'm grateful for today uh, everywhere. Yeah, it, all, it teaches you very much that we're all in this together. You may not yes. realize it, because maybe you, not you, Pat, but you in general are going through some difficult times, but you're not in this alone. We're all being affected by this together at the same time. And it teaches you sort of to depend on one another. And there are people out there that you can talk to that are experiencing it at, together. That it's not just you going through these difficult times. It, you know, it's a, for example, with your community, everyone's going through COVID right but yes. we're all working with one another trying to boost each other up stay positive watching someone play mario 35 or even participating in mario 35 which yeah. is 35 people collectively playing mario at the same time in a versus battle <laughs> yeah. trying to come in first place or watching you beat a level that that one out of let's say two thousand people um have tried yeah so I'll segue into the bigger discussion. Pat, what is your biggest gaming feat? Where you go, I can't believe I accomplished that. Okay, well, the thing that it sticks out to me, there's a guy named Justin Sells who makes, he's sort of created his own little genre of what's called the gauntlet level, which is uh, in Mario Maker, you can create levels with checkpoints where you get to a certain point and then once you hit that checkpoint, you don't have to go back. You can keep trying from that checkpoint. Now, a gauntlet level is meant to be part of the challenge is getting through the whole thing, no checkpoints, and it's sort of an extended... It, it, it basically becomes a game unto itself. You know, when you think back to the NES, or like we're talking about Super Mario Brothers, you had to make it... The, the checkpoint was making it to the next level. It was one whole game. that it was, There was no... It wasn't like... Um, like when you think of playing a game without continues, like it, it was all in one, it's all encompassing. And so I took on the boss level and the boss level two. Both of those, and those represent my, my longest streams where uh, one was an eight hour stream. And then for the boss level two, it was a 12 hour stream followed by a five hour stream in order to beat that one level. And it was just playing that, that whole time of that, that whole 12 hours and the five hours after that, it was all playing that same level over and over and over. And, uh, and that's definitely a time where you have to face yourself and sort of, you could really easily slip into, man, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, you know, you, you literally on your hundredth fail and you've got to still convince yourself, all right, maybe this is the time I beat it. That, that there's a certain amount of, uh, of facing yourself that you have to deal with that, that, uh, that I think is really good. It's sort of, it's a great challenge. And so not giving up 
is what I what I attribute to in, in those two levels is feels like my greatest gaming feat because I did have to constantly battle that thought in the back of my mind of what if I can't beat this? Like that embarrassing thing, like, you know, your ego where if you're going to be streaming this game, playing it, the last thing you want to do is be playing it 12 hours later. And then you say, well, guess I can't do it. And then it's like, oh, man, I've been watching you play this. <laughs> you, hate to, <laughs> you hate the idea of that. So, uh, you know, and just in far, as far as being a good streamer that I, I don't want to let the audience down to a certain extent. I feel like I, I want to do it and, and have us all be able to celebrate together. Because it, it just like when you're watching a sports team, like rooting for your sports team, when they win, you you sort of get that that burst of energy, like yeah, we won. You know, that's what people say. We won. It's not like oh yeah, our team won. You naturally say we won. Our, my guys won. And so I think that same thing translates when you're talking about playing a level 17 hours. If you've tuned in, even just here and there, just a couple minutes here and there, if you get to be there when they actually beat it you get to share in that victory and feel like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did. Especially if you were in the chat with that little encouragement, like you can do it. Don't give up, Pat. You, you, you get there. You've directly contributed to that victory one way or another. How about you, Kevin? What's your favorite, uh, biggest gaming feat? Well, I'm going to drift off. Pat, Pat, have you ever, have you ever um, played a level and then you progress and then the next time you play, you did it, you know, so much worse. And then the next time you did it, you get worse than that. Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> that is the worst. I all hate that when I play games sometimes. But That's natural. I think my biggest feat, I'll say for Mario, because this is the topic of Mario. I think yep. uh, when I got like the 120 stars in the clock tower. Oh yeah, in uh in Mario 64. And TikTok clock. Oh yeah, all oh, that clock tower and getting the hundred <laughs> points. That was the hardest thing in the world. Brutal. Uh, That's a brutal it's one. Like, you know, you have to walk in these small little paths. It's like, how do I get up there? <laughs> it's <laughs> impo- this is impossible. I, oh man. But um, I think my my big and, and overall, I have like three. Okay. Uh, beating Final Fantasy Tactics is definitely one of the ones that I was like, man, I can't believe I beat this game. Even though the, <laughs> nice. the ending, the end, like the end boss was just like, oh, really? This is but <laughs> this is really how you beat them? I like, forget. Like it was a great game, but it could have been harder. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But um, but there were some battles in that. Oh, tactics was really tough. I can, I, I mean, I have like nightmares of that game. But uh, <laughs> wow. but the three, the three, and other than apart from well, the two, I'll say was beating Contra one uh okay by myself and then i beat that with my best friend which is nice. even harder because you have to <laughs> like it's like i call it the caterpillar effect where if if one person moves the other person has to go along with you can't just uh-huh. go like gung-ho and rambo the whole entire game <laughs> i like that caterpillar effect <laughs> yeah and um contra 2 that was wow. contra yeah i figured you were saying ninja oh yeah and the ninja guy in the trilogy for nintendo yes I beat, he all, beat three all three Ninja, Ninja Gaiders, and I'm like, oh my wow. god, and they were tough. That game was. Tough. That's no joke. <laughs> that game, man. Whew. That uh, is no joke. I think for me, the the hardest. I'll, I'll break it down to if if anybody ever wants to play Ninja Gaiden, I I I, I implore them to play that game. I yep. think the the overall the hardest one is the first one. But on Nintendo. The, on Nintendo, the easiest one is the second one for Nintendo. Okay. And the hardest levels, but the easiest bosses is the, is the third one. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting breakdown. In terms of Mario, I can actually say my biggest feats have been to beat Mario 2 
okay. the one that came out here in the states and Mario yep. Three. Mario Three was the funnest one because you get to fly and you get the raccoon suit and you get the uh, yes. and if you and if you hold down and I think you hit B, you become a statue. You all the little things that they add in there. That yeah. I remember being so much fun. And when you yes. you can either skip the levels or if you can if, with the flute. Yes, or if you decide not to use the flute. Uh, yeah. the, the difference, the different or the, the economy of levels that they have, we go giant Mario or everything's no, large. Not giant you, Mario, it's no, giant levels. Giant levels, <laughs> everything is big, but you're just this little tiny speck movie with these big Goombas everywhere or the big pipes. I, lo- yes. I absolutely love those games. Yeah. It's, yes. There's something, as you mentioned, Pat, so timeless about Mario games that they anyone can pick them up. And when you see the younger generation going, oh, what's this? And playing yeah. the same games that you were when you were their age. It's incredible <laughs> because you would figure they want to play something more advanced. But if they start playing, for example, Mario Maker or play the original Mario levels, it's like, yeah, I, I, it's it's a way for older people and younger people to have to link together, have something in common. Yes. It was a hard game, too. Like I played the Donkey Kong for the Game Boy. That was really okay. hard to, to complete, actually. And now, and it was different from the arcade. It's very different from the arcade. It actually has levels, and once you, it actually has an ending. Because I know that Donkey Kong, the original Donkey Kong, didn't have um, levels. It was just a, a, a game on loop, and it just kept on looping. That would break. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that game was really interesting too. And you know, you touched on that, like the TikTok clock in Mario 64. Yeah. Definitely one of the most brutal oh challenges, especially the 100 <laughs> coins. And this is part of where I think there's a lot of interest in, in the speedrunners, that there's a couple people who their whole, all they stream is Mario 64, just speedrunning it over and over and over again. And it's fun to watch someone fly through the thing that like it is one of the most brutal challenges yeah. they have to fly through it first try doing all these crazy moves not only just to complete it but to complete it as quickly as possible that the, it's what like and you're in that position to especially appreciate that speed runner mm-hmm. because you've been there you actually know what it takes and you know what's interesting in that level i don't think there's a specialty hat in that level right i don't you might be right yeah because every most levels in Mario 64 they do have a specialty hat but that one level doesn't have it now i'm like whoa this is interesting because it doesn't have that specialty <laughs> hat so you can't even have the invincibility no flying and no invisibility so it's like yeah well you're on your own <laughs> definitely ultimate challenge yeah what what is wait wait one question do you ever think in the future there will be a mario maker for mario 64 oh well I I think I think as of now, basically anything is possible with the Mario Maker series, good and bad, in the sense that uh, it it's one of those games that it feels a little underserved in that it it doesn't quite. I I think it, especially as there's more and more Mario streamers, especially with like the rise of Facebook gaming, I think that will incentivize Nintendo if Mario Maker becomes that much more popular through Mario Maker streamers, that they're naturally going to follow the money. And if this game starts selling more and more, they're going to be incentivized to be more and more innovative with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's one of those games that represents a mid-tier sales, naturally they're going to be less and less inclined to be mm-hmm. innovative and more like just keep pumping out like, you know, like the Madden series. When, mm-hmm. when, that, was, yeah. when that was at its height, 
each year that it was coming out, they were introducing all types of crazy things. They were trying to really switch it up. Whereas when the sales were down, you could see from year to year, it was it was just basically the same thing over again. Yeah, I feel like so, Madden is declining, like because it's the only football game, and I don't think they have any competition. They used to have competition with Sega, and now it's or Two K Sports. Well, I don't think they're a part of Sega anymore, but they used to be. It used to be really competitive. In fact, I even had my brother and I even have Two K Five, NFL Two K Five, and we played the, the the heck out of that game, man. I mean, for real, we'll have some games. There'll be games, there'll be times where I remember this one particular game. Yeah, I knew you were about to say it. <laughs> there was a Falcons Uh-oh. against, so I had the Falcons. He had some other teams. I think I had the Eagles. And, and he was like, oh, like, uh, like, I, th- I don't know if he got a touchdown. Well, I don't think he got a touchdown, but he was right there. He was going to score a field goal. And I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I could just get this touchdown. And out of nowhere, his play, like, just like, just got got like completely like destroyed, and I took the football and I ran, <laughs> and I got the touchdown oh, right. Boy. Highlight here. reel. <laughs> and it was like I was like, yeah, man. yeah, you have worked up. Yeah. Don't even get me started with that. <laughs> oh, some of the some of the biggest gaming defeats I've had to my brother. I remember it took me over like a hundred times to finally beat him at Marvel versus Capcom two. And when oh. I did, I raised my arms. And, and then he would just quit. Like, I'm like, oh, come on, man. I, raise my, I raised my arms. I put the controller down and said, I'm done. And and I'm like, Yo, you can't do that, man. Oh, no. And the thing I love <laughs> is that him and his best friend, Cameron, are playing Street Fighter 2. Oh, I go oh, in and beat them both each individually. And then I just, I'm like, I'm done. I don't need button mashes, and I'm like, oh I man, I'm trying to play the game with skill. And he's just butt mashing, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yo, <laughs> like, you know, that's classic. Butt, butt mashing. That's right. I just, oh yeah, I just spammed the controller. <laughs> That was me and Tony Hawk Pro Skater that I had a friend that actually knew all the tricks and then I'd be over there trying to match the score, just mashing everything. And I'd be like, come on, baby, you got to at least try to, to, to know the tricks. Yeah. <laughs> I love when they had moon physics. It used to be able to do all like uh, a thousand and one stunts, link them together. Yeah. You score like over a million. And people yeah. like, how am I supposed to forget it? <laughs> <laughs> What is all the good old days, man? Because like those games were complete. Now, like there's patches, which is not a bad thing. But then you have some DLCs that you have to buy to complete the game. I mean, I understand that the creators want to make money, but it's not the same like it used to be. I think it's I think it's totally fair to say it's not the same. And I think that's the thing that's kind of worth grieving is that mm-hmm. video games and gaming in general is definitely evolving in the same way like the music industry has had to adapt to streaming as a source of revenue versus album sales. That similarly, video game companies are trying to figure out how do we adapt to everything being electronic now and and, and things like DLCs. Uh, and, and like loot boxes, there's some really controversial sort of uh, different ways that gaming companies have gone about making money. And I think I think what the reality is, we're just at that point on the timeline where they're trying to figure it out. But I, I'm not sure that it's that it's just that reality. They're going to get it wrong as they're trying to figure it out maybe 10 years down the line. It'll it, it will be a little more figured out. But what's, it's 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 at that adapt or die phase. Yeah, it makes me question, like, were they were these companies always losing money with their games? Because, I mean, you think about it, and it's like, okay, they put a game out. Back in the day, these games didn't have any DLC. 
So were they always losing money because they didn't have DLC? If you didn't catch fire, yeah. there's a lot of companies that have went defunct because they couldn't catch fire. Even with these new games, like for example, one of my favorite series is Dead Space. Dead Space, yeah. the last one, they came out with DLC like crazy, but it didn't. It didn't. They're not making a sequel. Well, the difference know? with Dead Space and any other type of game is there's the developers coming up with DLCs and things like that. And then there's interference from the actual company that publishes your games. Yeah, so you, there's a fine line between who's developing the game and who's publishing the game. Whether mm-hmm. the publisher says, let's milk as much money as we can out of this. Or the developer's like, oh, I got an idea I really want to implement in this game. I didn't get to do it before. Like, and it's, it's, a, it's a very delicate balance in, in between what's what. And it's very hard to know, especially once you buy a game, whether a game is complete or not, mm-hmm. whether you're, you're getting the total package or not. Like, for example, F-Zero, if they would have made a, like, if it would have came out, like, let's say Super Nintendo would have came out this time and they had internet and everything with DLC, that's you would have been ahead of part two, at least two players. No, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say that it would have been like co-op, well, or not co-op, but like like two players one on one. And yeah, it, it is interesting because F Zero, the first one, that game blew my socks off because I never, <laughs> I used to think like when I played that game, the future was gonna look like that. I always thought yeah. like this is what's gonna the future is gonna. I can't wait. <laughs> I was like, I can't yeah. wait to the future, and then like 2020. Oh, <laughs> not quite, not quite there. But, and, but you know, uh, the, the thing that you got with the DLC, I think the ultimate example, and definitely the furthest from a family friendly game, but you look at Grand Theft Auto 5 yeah. in the, the timeline of Grand Theft Auto releases, in just how many years have gone by where Grand Theft Auto oh, has yeah. put out what's essentially DLC, like little things you can buy. And they have, as long as people are buying it, they have no reason to come out with the brand new game. It's, yeah. I think it's way harder to get people to buy into an entire new game. And they're aware of someone who's already dropped 60, 70 bucks on a single game. They're more likely to be willing to drop 10, 15, 20 more into the game. They're already invested. Whereas if you come out with a brand new game, you've got to convince people this is worth buying a whole new 60 bucks. So in, uh, the other reality is with these, like when you're bringing up DLC now versus like in the past, if companies had the option, uh, like for any given game, there's always a core group that loves the game. Mm-hmm. And so I think the DLC represents, you could be sure that that core group is going to be down with the DLC no matter what, even if good, bad, or indifferent. And so if that core group is big enough for that particular game, it's always going to be worth putting out something just for that cash grab of, I know that our core our core fans are definitely going to buy this. That's how exactly how I felt about Grant, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Once they went to the the newer ones, it was just never the same game to me. Like Modern mm. Warfare 2 was just a perfect like perfect Call of Duty. I played that one. I really everybody <laughs> has played that one that I've known. I don't yeah. know anyone that were like, yeah, I never played Modern Warfare 2. But everybody <laughs> has played that game because it was just one of those games that would like I got hooked. It was days like, and and you know what? We we should maybe talk about this topic. I was really addicted to playing that game. Like at one point, I remember being on unemployment when the stock market crashed. Okay. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. The housing market crashed. Yeah. yeah, and like I and I really had like a crazy ass addiction to that game because I used to wake up, play Call of Duty, eat Call of Duty, sleep Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, and that's what the only game that I can honestly say that really got me to the point where. I'm like, man, like, like, this is not healthy for me. And that's when I started like working out and stuff like that. 
Oh, okay. Well, so they, you, you were able to channel that towards the, in a different direction. And I, cause I think ultimately part of what, where video games can be such an amazing thing. And it's a fine line between being positive and negative. It's that, it's that escapism that comes with video games that mm-hmm. no matter what's going on in your life, you can turn on that video game and just jump into that world. That's even more immersive than like a movie where you passively watch it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a video game, you are in it, you're controlling it. So I think the effect on your brain is you're legitimately escaping reality in a way that it's difficult to compare to other forms of entertainment mm-hmm. because of just how much of an escape it really is. And so when things are tough around you, especially going through a tough time in life, mm-hmm. I think that's where it, like you look at some of the World of Warcraft um, people that, that go one step too far with it and it starts to really interfere with real life. I think that's it, it, it dips into that reality where it becomes such an escape and such an alternate reality mm-hmm. that it can, it can blur the lines of what, what's most important. Yeah, I feel like in moderation, video games is great. No but doubt. Like too much, like we all, like too much of anything isn't really that great. Specifically, Agreed. but like, Anything that you feel like too much of a passion about something that, you know, that keeps you stag- stagnant isn't really yes. going to do anything for you. You have to progress in life. And that's what I, why I'm, I'm pursuing college as well. And, you know, well I've been, I've been, I actually moved up at my job as well, too, because I used <laughs> to go from environmental services. Now I work in central sterile cleaning instruments for the doctors. And it's a better job for me. I like it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well done, my friend. Thank you. That, yeah, I'll segue on to our last um, se- segment then. Um, how do you avoid burning out? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, in With streaming? Streaming with, or, streaming and, and streaming general, or playing video I'll games. Like you know, sometimes you do so, too much of something that you just basically like just like things come to a halt. Like, or, or, or you, you're just like, okay, I'm just, I'm mentally, I'm just done. How do you avoid burning out? Is there, do you have any techniques that you have? Because for example, you could do a level, you talk about doing a level, um, that one Kaizo level, you did it for eight hours, an eight hour streaming, and then a seven hour stream or five hours, however many hours you did. How do you avoid getting that burnout effect? Well, I think the biggest thing you can do to avoid burnout really in anything is to have preset boundaries in place. And so I found, especially in those first couple months of streaming, that if I didn't have a preset boundary of how long I was trying to stream, I would naturally get caught up and be four, five, six hours deep and not even necessarily realize it. And I think the reality is if I was to let myself go four, five, six hours every time I streamed, I think that's a setup to in the short term, it feels great. I'm having nothing but fun. But in the long term, if you're doing that every day, you can count on burnout being right around the corner. So I think it's a boundary I put in place is I try to hit that three hour mark. That three hour is where I want my average stream time to be. So that that, that seems to be the sweet spot where uh, if, if as long as I don't regularly go past the three hour mark, then when an opportunity like the Justin Sells Gauntlet we're talking about, that's like an eight hour or even a 17 hour ordeal, it, it's the one-off situation. It represents like, okay, here's this single journey I'm going to take that, that represents this epic l- timeline, whereas the, nor- the norm has to be regulated enough so that it, it, it fits within a balanced life. That, it, that if it's ever at the point that I'm streaming more than I'm doing th- anything else, I think that's where it crosses that line where in the long term you hit that burnout. But I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still learning and adapting to 
like I'm saying that when I started out, there was no boundary. It was just streamed till I couldn't, till I wanted to stop. And it, it didn't take long before recognizing, okay, that I can't do that in the long term, even though it still felt really fun. Is there was definitely a recognition of if I do this every day, a year later, I'm going to be sick of this. And, and I'd rather this be something that I can always have going in the background uh, and just sort of see where it goes just as an experiment, really. Do you think the key is to stay disciplined? I, I, yeah, but I'd say the, the mental discipline is represented as the, the specific um, awareness. It's be, self-awareness, I think, is the key to so much of, of just self-regulation, like being aware of your emotion at any given moment. And be, I remember reading this book about emotional intelligence in my early 20s that blew my mind when it, reading this line that you're always feeling an emotion that the, to some people that sounds obvious and simple, but I had never considered that at any given moment I'm feeling an emotion wow. that, uh, that to me, it, like up to that point, I just considered that, oh, well, I feel an emotion when I get angry or when I get happy, but I, I sort of considered myself neutral the rest of the time or even most of the time. But the, a, applying that and recognizing, no, it's, there's always emotion present. I'm all, I might be anxious about something that's happened in a couple of days, a doctor's appointment, a dentist appointment, you know, those couple of days leading up to that appointment, you're going to be feeling a little bit of that anxiety, anticipating it that you're not necessarily consciously aware of And So the more you get disciplined of being aware of what you're feeling in any given moment, it gives you the opportunity to know, Oh, I'm feeling a little extra anxious right now because I got that dentist appointment three days from now. And that's what's making me a little more on edge. So when I'm snapping at somebody who's just asking me to pass the salt or whatever the situation, I can recognize, oh, I'm being a little unreasonable here. It's not that I really am upset at them for asking me to pass the salt. I'm a little anxious about having to go to the dentist and get that drill in three days. Oh, that they, and so it gives you that opportunity <laughs> to regulate and, and sort of approach the way that you, you take responsibility for your own behavior in a way that you don't even have available to you if in your own mind you're just riding along totally neutral. And so that applies to the video game thing where if I'm getting really frustrated in a moment, it's up to me to say, okay, you know what? I've got to step away. I've, I've got to know my own limits to know, okay, this is a situation where I got to put this down, come back to it the next time before because you see it i'm sure you've seen the rage compilation compilations oh, yeah. of streamers that it's one of the most popular videos is the, the i see it like um, with uh it's hilarious sometimes but it's not too funny but it's funny is when you see people play mario 64 and they and they get rage quit in the competitions it's kind yes. of funny because you're like oh man that guy's really angry but at the same time it's like man that's maybe, not, it can't, maybe that person attack. has a problem, you know? It's not healthy at all. Yeah. That, like, that rage has to go somewhere. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, people do get frustrated. People always like to win. But when they lose, you know, it's it's really frustrating sometimes. I, I, I see that with life things in general, with dating, with with uh, with sports, with anything like that. I'm like, man, like, like it's understandable why people get angry, but not to the point where you just show your cards and go like, oh, let me show my cards and why I'm angry and just bust the <laughs> controller part. Like, yeah, you know what? See, you would, you would bust the controller part. I would take it apart by this. No, stop lying. There's been times like I would get so angry playing Call of Duty and I'm like cursing my, my butt off. <laughs> and i'm like oh man like and then i'm realizing like why am i acting like this because like when yes. i'm playing with my friends i'm not like that you know like yes. if i would play goldeneye it's uh, well, like back in the day i wouldn't be angry like that but when i'm playing by myself in a, in, for, in a video game 
you know it's like oh wait a minute man like i'm by myself like oh <laughs> he gets it's very personal it's very personal. very personal and you you can't help but get in your head more like that i think that's part of when you contrast it with playing with friends mm -hmm. that helps you stay outside of the game itself enough that you recognize i'm here to have fun we're hanging out we're, we're bonding we're chilling as opposed to when you're it's just you solo mode you're in your head. You're like, okay, I got to do this. I got to be the best. It's way easier mm -hmm. to lean into that ego thing that when it goes bad, it goes real bad. And so especially I think you got online. these. Oh, yeah. Especially online. Oh, my God. Because I'm very competitive. Like, especially online. Call of Duty. I was so I hated that. I hated having uh, a less kill to death ratio. I always had to have that more kill to death ratio in any game. And you know what? <laughs> like, I realized as you get older, like, Man, was I really thinking about that? Like, who really cares? Like, just play the game. That's you know? very true. That that it, I, But I think that's what lends itself to when you talk about these streamers and the Rage compilations. Not only are they sort of zoned in, but they've got an audience that it's it can be embarrassing to, yeah, to, it is. to it perform is. poorly or, or just get straight up beat. That you you can see all instantly now. You've got the the streamer that'll be like, oh, they're hacking. Oh, they're like, <laughs> uh, assume that they must be cheating before being able to accept, well, they, they might've just played better than me in, in that moment. And I, that can be a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. But I think the more you could be aware of, listen, I'm, I'm not going to be the best at every game at every moment. The more that you can sort of accept that, the easier it gets to be able to be like, all right, I took, I took the L on that one and that it is what it is. I move on and make me that much better the next time. I'm going to segue on to something different and ask my last two questions. What is your favorite sneaker, Pat? My favorite sneaker? Okay, well, now I'm someone, especially growing up, I loved playing basketball as a young kid. And so I was always jealous of all the awesome sneakers, the Jordans, the Nikes. I, I, I wanted it. I, want, I wanted to be in on it so bad, but I could not be. I was, I was the one at the Payless Shoes getting that $15 pair. That, that's what it, US Athletics? That, yeah, that's what it was for me. And uh, I accepted it, but I, it, 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 I sort of felt left out with wanting to get into that sneakerhead world. But early on, I was disconnected enough that I'd never sort of transferred over. So as far as I, I couldn't even name a favorite sneaker that uh, I, I now I just wear Tim. I wear my Tim boots like 90 percent of the time, winter, summer, spring, just because they're the most they're the easiest to wear. They're comfortable because Pat's that gangster. That's why <laughs> <laughs> not even it's, it's I, I'm, Tim boots. Come on. I'm now. like the most functional steel toe. But, <laughs> I'm, I, I am functional to a fault where like I would, I'd want to have better style it, like outside of myself, but ultimately if something's comfortable, I'm more likely to go with that. Even if it doesn't look the best. It's so, like, I'm someone, I had a lot of hand-me-downs. I, 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 I always want, like, and I still think maybe some time point in the future, if I ever get fit, if I get in like a good shape, then I'll be able to invest more in fashion or whatever. But up to now, I've always just felt like outside of the whole game. Pat, you've taken enough L's in Mario that I will tell you, <laughs> do not get into sneakers. <laughs> I try to buy one pair of Jordans on the sneakers app. I've taken so many L's trying to buy a sneaker. Just one. I, I got a gift card for $100 from Nike. Okay. A year ago. A year ago, Pat. I go into the sneakers app. I'm like, I guess I'm going to try to buy this one pair of sneakers. <laughs> 10 o'clock, they open up the market for you to buy it. Okay. By 10.01, no. it's done. No. It says sold out. I've tried. There was one pair of drones. I'm going to get it. I'm just waiting for them to put a discount on it. 
somewhere, someone just to say, you know what, this 220 style sneaker, I'm not selling it. I'm going to sell it for 150. <laughs> I'm just waiting. There's this candy green Jordans, Ooh, Jordan 5, okay. that are colored in Oregon because my fiance is from Oregon. Okay. I really love, and I really love Oregon ducks. Okay. Because I just love the duck. It's a, it's a duck, man. It's, it's Donald Duck for you representing a university. Okay. So I really wanted these candy green, and I saw the date. It's like it said September 10th, I think it was. Okay. Or September 9th. I put it on my phone. It's. I said I'm gonna go get it. I was working that day. I go onto my phone. I put it. Make sure all my information's in there. I hit buy at 10, 10 on the dot. Okay. Sold out. Oh. I couldn't even get it, Pat. It's then this one time I put it in for another pair that wasn't even Jordan's. Okay. It's just for a regular pair of sneakers on the sneakers app. Done. You couldn't even buy it. Wow. I put my clock on. I, I put my clock, my alarm on at 10 on the dot. Nothing. Now, do you, I've taken so many L's, Pat. It hurts. Do you think that you're getting beat by other sneaker heads or do you think it's people scalping to try to resell? Both. 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 Yeah, yeah. It's mostly scalpers, bots, and sneaker heads. I don't know how. Some maybe I should just start a YouTube channel and hopefully Nike will send me some sneakers. Maybe there you go. You, know, you should do that. That would be a good idea. <laughs> so the day that you buy, that like you go and like you set up the day and you go like, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to buy it and then and see that's your whole entire mission. That's your whole entire episode. It's like, oh man, I couldn't buy it. Document the experience. So we're called yeah. Talking Jays, right? It's not because of Talking Jordan sneakers, but it's because the people that I co-host with. Jeanette is in LA. John is in Miami, and I'm Jose. Okay. Somehow we, I said, oh, Jeanette has this idea that says maybe because of our name, Michael Jordan will step up and buy the, our podcast and take over. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> maybe I can get my pair of sneakers that way. Yeah, I think you could count on it if you pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I it's just defeat after defeat after defeat. <laughs> That's brutal. So what question do you want to ask Pat? What is the worst game you ever played? Oh, the worst game. Well, it's funny because I was reflecting on my first video game experiences before coming on. I had even called my dad and I was like, hey, what do you remember about the, the early the early days of Pat as a gamer? And so it was making me remember with the Atari 2600, there was this game called Jungle Hunt. And that that uh, the two games I had was Pole Position, Jungle Hunt. So pole position, that was the racing game. And that, that one I could actually at least get to the end of the race. But with Jungle Hunt, I, I must have jumped vine to vine 10 billion times. I don't know that I ever made it out of the first level because uh, partially just being young, not having much video game experience. And uh, so I think that represents the worst game, but it's, I, it didn't make me like it any less. And I, th I, I think I would like to go back to it and beat it as an adult. But just in my memory, it was just the most repetitive thing of just trying to literally the whole game in my memory was just trying to jump vine to vine in that first I think I remember the game that you're talking about. And all it is is you jumping from vine to vine, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not Pitfall. Not Pitfall. Pitfall. I love Pitfall. No, this was Jungle I Hunt. I could never beat it. I didn't know which way to go because <laughs> if you go left or you go right, like a it's maze. just an endless loop. But Pitfall was such a fun game. I remember <laughs> Jungle Hunt, I believe. I remember it. it was, what's, the, what's the worst game you ever played? Worst game I've ever played? And probably, it's probably the same as me. Ugh. It's a tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> you know what? What was that game that came out for the PS3 that I bought? Um, it's an id game. I can't try to remember. Okay. It's a shooter game that, that they involved parkour. 
I can't remember for the life of me of it. What's its name? But it was rated one of the worst games of all time Ouch. to come out. I know you're talking about. <laughs> I know the game that you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know the not the name of it too. It's like one of these intense. It's just a one word name. A name of it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was Mario 64. That game was just so bad. <laughs> Mario 64? Mario 64? No, no, Mario. I mean, Superman 64. Oh, okay. I was like, Superman what? 64. I was like, wait a minute. Why? Mario 64 is my favorite game. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's all good. <laughs> Superman 64 was the worst game I've ever played in my whole Superman's. I'm going to have to YouTube that one. I haven't heard of that. Oh, don't ever play it. I'm warning out. you. I'm warning you. <laughs> it is a really, really bad game. I will definitely uh, check and, that and, out. And it's sad because like the creators had like a certain months amount of months to make that game. Right. And my best friend bought that game. And when he brought it home to my house, I was like, all right, we'll play. And I looked at him like, what the heck is this thing? <laughs> like, yeah, like, this is horrible. <laughs> I know, man. And like, how much you spend on this game? It was like 70 bucks. I'm like, oh my God. Man, you know, you'd say this is making me remember back in the day when I would get to, when we go to the video store and I'd get to rent a game. And so sometimes oh, yeah. you roll the dice, you just grab something off the shelf you never even thought of before. And I remember there was this one time I grabbed, it was the spot from Domino's or from 7 Up. There was, there was a, you got to play as the little Oh, logo. yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> and I cool remember, spot. You're talking cool about cool spot. spot? Yes. That cool one. spot. <laughs> How about Wall Street Kid? How bad was that game? I never heard of Wall Street Kid. It's a stock market game. What? <laughs> Virtual stock yes. market. I'm not kidding you. It's a stock market game. They had to experiment. Oh my god, it was just so bad. Like, really, look it up. It's it's the worst. I'm definitely game gonna ever check played. that out. Well, like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> <laughs> it was a game where basically you're managing a, a a kid on Wall Street or a man on Wall Street's life. His dating. Him picking stocks, and that's it, Pat. It's just basically here's a planner. You just basically plan this guy's life. That's really it. Wow. It is, it is absolutely the beginning of Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> with the Wall the Street early kids. years. Yeah, the early. I remember my day. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> I remember my day. <laughs> Complete. <laughs> the uh, the question that one of the questions I have for you, Pat, that I had written down yep. is what is the one thing that if you could, you would bring back, whether it's a video game, whether it's um, something that you grew up with or a concept or something that is pretty much just something that's faded that doesn't exist anymore. Okay, well, OK, this is interesting because it taps into something I've thought a lot about, which is the one of the the greatest multiplayer errors in my life was the GoldenEye era for Nintendo 64, that there was nothing quite like the experience of playing uh, GoldenEye with my friends, mm -hmm. the two player or even the four player, but the two player was the best because then you each got half the screen. Yeah. And so I have so many great memories. And so I, in reflecting on it, it has made me wonder how much of my love for that, that period of time had to do with it being one of the first experiences with that kind of game. Cause you know, going forward, then you had the rise of Call of Duty, Halo, all sort of the shooters that built off of that, or not necessarily built off of, but just came after that in the timeline. And so now you look at Call of Duty, a war zone, a game like that, and that's sort of like the current version of GoldenEye. And so I wa I'd want to say I would want to bring GoldenEye back, but then I'd be afraid that if I actually could bring GoldenEye back, it would never be what it was because part of what made it so good was it was the first of its kind, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So it's like that reality where 
I want to say I'd bring that back, but I'd also be afraid it wouldn't be anything like I experienced it because so much of my appreciation of it was because it was all that existed. It was sort of the only game in town for that sort of thing. You're definitely, I definitely agree with you on that front because it was, it came in around that time where you, all you needed to do is plug in four controllers and you and your friends could all play in a room. It wasn't, but it was right before the internet really broke into gaming, home console gaming, because we could all flock to, we, you literally needed to be in that room with your friends to play. It. Exactly. Whereas obviously now you can play with everyone in their own respective homes and their own consoles and whatnot, but being together with a group of friends and playing that, that's definitely something that's, that's very lacking for the, the, this day and age. And that, you know what I always thought was funny? Every time you get hit, Golden he's just like breathing on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then when so, you get, yeah, when you lose a life. That's right. Well, you do that pretty good. But, but <laughs> something that's interesting about the timeline, you'd bring it up like the plugging in the four controllers that when you think back before that, like Super Nintendo, you had two controllers. There was no four player. And if you had it on the PlayStation, you had to get that little breakout box where you plug that into a controller thing to add the additional controller ports. And the it, multi-tap. The multi-tap, exactly. It's so when, mm-hmm. when I remember it being such a big deal when you had Nintendo 64 coming out and it had four controller slots yeah, right on I the agree. system. And it was like, that That was such a huge, that was like such a game changer. Uh, that like, it's, you mean I have to bring my controller? That's yeah, all bring I the controller bring. over. Bring the <laughs> controller. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Everybody awesome. bring a controller. Like, People used to bring like a whole entire like kit to play together. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Man. Ooh, I, I man. found the name of the worst game I've ever played. Go ahead. Brink. Oh yeah. Brink. Brink okay. was bad. I really wanted to love the game, and I try to force myself to love the game. <laughs> but the more I watch video gamers that like Angry Joe oh, yeah. and all these other people just land base the game. I'm like, I just can't force myself to like this game anymore. I just got to admit it and tap and just tap and say, this game is just bad. Yeah. I, it's like, I really, I really made such a concerted effort to say, no, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not me. It's you. You're the ones that are not like, I'm like, you know what? I, 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 I have to be honest with myself. This, this game is just bad. You, you, you say that? that way, you were the, what was the game that you were most disappointed about? And see, no, go ahead. That, that, go ahead. That, well, you were about to say something, and then we can answer this question. Well, that, that's actually that's the perfect segue into what I'm most disappointed because you say in that perspective of like wanting to try to like it, even though you did it, that made me remember what my actual worst game is and what was the biggest disappointment. And I had a similar reaction to you where I, I, I kept playing it, even though I had no idea what was going on. So I had, whenever I would get like, uh, a, a, do a big achievement like graduate from a grade or like get, get get good grades or something, a lot of times it would be, okay, Pat, you can pick out one game from Toys R Us. We'll go to Toys R Us, anything from this section that's in like that $20 or less section, boom, you can, you can grab one of these. And, and so one of those times it was for the NES and it was a game called Mule. And so I was a young kid. I, I, it was, I totally just went on the, the art of it. And I thought, okay, well, this looks different. I don't, I don't have any games like this. Tried it. And I, I have no idea what that game was about. I never, I never understood it even on the smallest level. That's definitely something I'm going to have to go back and look into because you just triggered this memory of daily checking in with this game, trying out different things. And it was one of those games, like an inventory game where you had to sort of build up things. And it was definitely more complicated than I was able to even wrap my head around. So that definitely most disappointing game for me, Mule for the NES. What is your favorite game? 
Uh, you, I think you said Mario 64. Is that your absolute favorite game of well, all time? Well, current day, as of today, if I could only pick one game, it would be Mario Maker 2 because there's like multiple Mario games within that one game. But if I was to pick favorite game of all time that was like the best experience, it would be Mario 64 yeah. because there's so much nostalgia. I can remember staying up, me, me and my dad getting in trouble with my mom, her, her wandering out midnight saying, what are you guys doing up? And me and my dad hanging out in the living room. He's watching, <laughs> he's watching me in the, in the flight cap, trying to get the red coins and that red cap spending an hour trying to cheer me up and be like, wait a minute, trying to go a little swoop down a little bit. So I, there's so many nostalgic memories attached to Mario 64. And even just it being that first 3D world, like that open world, triple jump, all this kind of like, wow, it just that, it took Mario to the next level for me. And I had already loved Mario so much. So for experience, Mario 64, but for practical Favorite game of all time as of today, Mario Maker 2. I got what neither one of you thought about, but what's your favorite game? Well, I, yeah, I said Mario 64 because, like, it was an easy game to beat and a hard game to complete. Yes. And um, I think for me, like, I, I'm going to jump into the segue where I was disappointed. I say the game Alpha Protocol, I was very disappointed because they were, like, trying to make it, like, Metal Gear Solid, which is one of my favorite games as well. Okay. And, and well, that's my favorite series, I'll say. Not my favorite game, but my favorite series in general. Okay. Alpha Protocol, I thought it was going to be just like Jason Bourne meets uh, <laughs> meets Metal Gear Solid. And it was just like, well, yeah, this isn't the game I thought it was going to be. It's like, you know, you pick it up and you're like looking at it and you're like, oh, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to sell this game. <laughs> Worst game I've played and disappointed by was Brink. Okay. Because I really wanted to like the game and was disappointed. Mm -hmm. But my favorite game okay. is either Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2 Ooh. or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 4, Turtles in Time. Ooh. I absolutely <laughs> loved Part 4 when you would take the Foot Clan a uh, soldier, you threw him into the screen. Yes. And oh my toe. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. and you get the little pizza that makes you spin like a cannonball everywhere. I love that game. Tell me you heard so about think, Shredder's Revenge. Did you hear about yes, okay, you already know. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. I'm looking that. forward to it. And I'm looking to see it's only forward on to scene, seeing you, right? No, it's available on all consoles. Oh, really? I can't and wait. I'm literally looking forward to seeing Pat stream that in some future. Yeah, so. I'm all, I really hope they put it up for the Switch. And uh well, I, I'll be so I'm just it's one of those games that it's naturally going to have so much hype because there's so many fans of like that arcade style Ninja Turtles. And I think they have a chance to pull it off. So we'll just have to, time will tell if it, if it can live up to the hype and they really do it right. Is there anything you want to follow up with, with that? Yeah, Pat, it was a pleasure. Definitely, this was so much I really fun. Liked, well, we, should, we should do this again. Totally. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely want to do this again. Bring me back. Bring me back. If people want to follow you, what, what's the best way to follow you? Okay, on, if, you just, if you're in Facebook, whether you're on the app or you're on uh, the computer, you just type in the search bar the word super, S-U-P-E-R, space Pat, P-A-T, space world, W-O-R-L-D, super Pat world. And I'll come right up. And if you want to just type it in the bar, you can do fb.gg backslash superpatworld. But it's much easier just to type superpatworld right in the search bar. And what's, what games are you uh, are you going to be playing next? Because I know you're going to be finishing up with Mario 35 soon. Yes. Yeah, I can't believe that. Taking the game have away. You have you decided uh, on a game yet? Yeah, well, for in the short term, like for the month of April, my plan is during that little transition period, I just want to play a lot of Mario Maker. I want to just transition to Mario Maker. There's enough 
content on there and different content that there's different ways to play the game where I'll do like, okay, on this day, I'll do an endless run where I do endless expert levels. On this day, I'll play a super world. On this day, I'll play viewer levels. So there's enough different ways to play it that, I, and I'd love to take the opportunity to get, to kind of increase my skill, especially at some of those harder Kaizo levels, uh, just because the nature of it is repetition. And so the more you can consistently put in a little bit of time every day, the, the, the greater the increase in your skill. So that, that's sort of my direction I'm going for at least April. And I'm just going to keep my ears and eyes open for what, what games come out that sort of fit the mold of super family friendly and, uh, and that I really like to play. Mario Golf, perhaps? I know yes! that's coming out soon. Yeah, that's coming out, I think, June. The, and I'm definitely excited to uh, be able to play that with the, um, like on Supporter Sunday, bring that one out. And uh, yeah, Mario Golf, I'm definitely excited for that one. That'll definitely be in the mix. And um, that's something that I know people will love once they start following you and watching you, the, um, you play. So pretty much the best way to follow you is Super Pat World. Search for it on Facebook. You'll be able to find um, what I believe is one of the, my favorite uh, streamers oh. on Facebook. Oh, wow. And like I said, you just have this positivity that it just radiates off of you. And I'm, wow. and I love what you bring to the world. And I really personally want to tell you, thank you on my behalf for the things that you, not only have you done for a lot of people, but for myself and the gaming community as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, thank you so much for the kind words, but thank you for this gets to be my, the super Pat debut into the podcast world. I'm so glad it was with you, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> thank you we got, to, awesome, we got to break the ice together this was so much yeah. fun it was great great conversation it, it feels like if, if we had met in real life both of you guys that would end up being would be buds in, 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 in no time oh yeah and, Pat, as far as i know we are we're, exactly this is what i'm saying we're, 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 we're buds now yeah that's <laughs> perfect. awesome perfect that's awesome uh, thank you so much for joining us All right um this has been a bonus episode of talking jays thank you for um hopping on board with us